Any of you guys get um, Christmas cards this past holiday season? Even just one from somebody, right? Yeah, we got some Christmas cards. We got a few. We like to uh, tape them up at the, the house. I say tape them up. We, there's probably a better way to do it, but we just use scotch tape. And we just throw them up. Across. Okay, good. I see some nodding and some, some, uh, some nods of affirmation that I'm okay for doing that. Uh, we come home every once in a while, and um, one or two will be on the floor. Uh, we've got like this little... I assume it's where they've covered up a, a, a load-bearing beam or something. It drops down a little. We tape it to that. Okay, so we come in the front door, and from the living room to the dining area, there's, a, there's that little beam, and we tape it up there. And sometimes we come home, and there's one on the floor because the scotch tape just doesn't always work like it should. But anyway, we like to put them up. We got a few of them this year. Uh, a few of them came from you guys. That was uh, cool to get those. And from close family and friends, we got some. Uh, we also got some from uh, some... Lesser known, some more distance acquaintances. just to be frank, businesses, right? We got one, I think, from an HVAC guy, um, an insurance agent, um, who else? We, we probably should have got one from a pest control guy. I'm surprised I didn't get one from Ridge Runner Pest Solutions. <laughs> a financial advisor, we got one from, from him. And um, Can you guys guess which of these cards, though, were more important to me, to us, to our family? Yeah, definitely the financial advisor, right? No, 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 no. Of course it was the cards from, from you guys, from uh, close family and friends. And the reason is not because I don't have, you know, um, these kinds of needs, heating and air needs. And uh, it's not that I don't want to invest my financial resources wisely and, and such. But the reason that your cards are important is because of our special relationship, right? We have a special relationship that is incredibly important to me to... Uh, maintain and to to grow, to strengthen. That's important to me. And the same goes for the ones I got from my family and friends. These are the kind of relationships, these are the relationships that I want to keep going and growing. All right. In the in the letter first John The Apostle John is writing with this same uh, idea in mind. He's writing to people that he has a special relationship with, a very special relationship, and he's writing with the purpose of keeping this special relationship going. He wants to keep it alive and well. That's why he's writing the letter. That's his purpose for the letter. But this relationship, this very special relationship, is more uh, than just a friendship. He's he's concerned about it because it has eternal implications. more than just a common, basic human relationship. It has eternal implications, okay? So over the next several weeks, I want to comb through this letter. What the Apostle John, I want to comb through what the Apostle John has pointed out here in this letter that we call 1 John. And we want to do that for a very very important reason. And that reason is the same reason that John gives for writing this letter in the first place. As John is winding up his letter, this is toward the end of the letter, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John sums up his purpose for what he has said so far. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that, here's the purpose, so that you may know that you have what? That's kind of an important thing to be pretty sure about, right? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This letter was written to people who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's a church, right? So that's you and me. This applies to us. And it was written so that we would know that we have eternal life. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever worried? 
Have you ever been a bit concerned? Have you ever, there's many people who do, you, you wouldn't be alone in this, have you ever wondered or questioned if it's even possible to know for sure? Or will we just find out when our time on this earth is done? Is there a way to know now? John says you may know. You can know, and he's written this letter for that purpose, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So we're calling this series of messages that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, so that you may know. Everything that we're going to examine, okay, there's going to be a few things that we don't touch on from 1 John, but we're looking at a lot in these five chapters that make up the letter of 1 John. But everything that we do look at, everything we examine from 1 John over the next several Sundays will be with this purpose and with this goal in mind so that you may know that you have eternal life. All right? So as we begin, we're going to be looking at the first four verses of 1 John. The first four verses. This is John's introduction to his letter, okay? There's information shared, okay? It's not that there's no meat or anything for us to grab hold of, but it is an introduction. It's an introduction to this letter, and it's going to serve as our introduction to this message series, okay? So follow along with me in your Bible, starting at the very beginning of the letter. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too, do you hear the so that? That means this is important, is a purpose statement. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, Here's those words again, so that our joy may be made complete. I want to bring you a message to start this series called Fellowshipping with Apostles. Fellowshipping with Apostles. The Apostle John is writing to a group of Christians, as we said before, because of their special relationship to and with one another. John is writing to make sure that this sweet fellowship that, that he and the rest of the apostles share with other Christians that they have proclaimed the truth to, he wants to make sure that this fellowship, that it continues because, very important reason, because biblical fellowship is not good conversation at a church dinner. All right? I'm not discounting good conversation at church dinner, around a, a good church dinner too, right? But that is just that. It is good conversation at a church dinner. Biblical fellowship is different. Biblical fellowship is a, a common belief in the Word of God. It is joint participation in the will and the work of God. And yes, it is the shared enjoyment, the common enjoyment of, of doing that work together. Biblical fellowship has some meat on it. Biblical fellowship means there's something real there. We don't just get to say, hey, let's fellowship when nothing really truly exists there uh, in common between you and that other person. Biblical fellowship is a little meatier, okay? John is writing a letter to Christians that he wants to challenge and to encourage to continue in the fellowship of the body of Christ. Eternity is what is at stake here. John knows it, and that's what he's hammering away at. For these people to turn away from this fellowship is to turn away from the, the church, the only group of people on this earth that the Lord is saving from death and hell and delivering uh, to life eternal in heaven, in the glory and the presence of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is why John, on behalf of himself and his fellow apostles has such a strong desire to see these Christians remain in this fellowship. 
Again, eternity is at stake for his readers then and for his readers today. Right now, eternity is at stake. He wants these people and I want us people, we people, I don't know how, we the people, we'll say that, sounds patriotic. (laughs) John wanted his people and we want our people to be continuing in this fellowship, sharing in this common belief, jointly actually participating together in the, the work of the Lord, doing his will, and of course sharing an enjoyment in, in this task, in our role in this work together, okay? So let's look at three uh, quick, very important things that John points out in his introduction that we too would do well to pay attention to so that we may know that we have eternal life, okay? First of all, John points out the fact that we have eyewitness testimony. We have eyewitness testimony. We aren't relying on a well-crafted story. We aren't relying on uncertain theories or testimony without evidence. That's not what we have here. John's testimony is eyewitness testimony. We have reliable, credible eyewitness testimony concerning the word of life is the way John puts it here. He's talking about Jesus, the Son of God. That's why uh, your Bible translators were comfortable and confident to put a capital W and a capital L on the word of life in this, right? In that first verse, we saw it. What was from the beginning, kind of sounds like the beginning of the gospel of John, doesn't it? In the beginning was the word, okay? What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now take note of the language that John uses here. Notice the senses that he brings to our attention here. Do you see those? Now, what John, when John says we, he's referring to himself and his fellow uh, apostles, okay? So you need to understand that. And we know that because of what he says uh, when he says we have done this, who has done all this? Think of the qualifications for apostles and how they had to be alongside Jesus throughout his ministry and, and so on and so forth, right? Listen to the things he says. These are things the apostles did. When he says we, these are the apostles. These are not things that all the people he wrote to had done. But listen to the we and listen to the senses. Listen to what they did. This tells us about the fact that we have eyewitness testimony. He says, first of all, what we have heard using the ears. What we have seen with our eyes, not imaginary, not a dream, not something that that was a a good thought or an interesting thought, what we have actually seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, it says. Now, some translations will say beheld, because think of when you say the word behold, or when you see the word behold in the Bible. We don't ever say it, right? Behold, it's my birthday, right? No, we don't do that. But but what that actually means in the Bible is, is examine this closely, Take special note of this. Look at this. Pour over what I'm about to say or what I'm about to show you. So when, unfortunately, the the NASB here, it sounds a little weak versus what really this means. To just say looked at, it doesn't mean to see with your eyes again. John's already said that. When he says we have looked at, he's talking about what we have beheld, what we have poured over, what we have examined closely and carefully. They got to do that. And then finally, he says, what we have touched with our 
hands. They even had the opportunity to touch Jesus, to pat him on the back, to, to comfort him after a, a long, tiring day of healing people. They got to eat with him and, and, and pass the salt and maybe their hands touched as they passed the salt. Uh, Thomas got to, to touch the wounds, right? These apostles got to touch Jesus, see him, hear him, touch him, behold him. They got to do these things. And, and again, all of this is, as John himself writes, concerning the word of life, Jesus himself. Now, one of John's fellow apostles, Peter, wrote about this as well. He echoed John's words and went on to uh, further explain the significance of the fact that we have eyewitness testimony. First of all, look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were what? eyewitnesses, yes, eyewitnesses of his majesty, all right? So there's him echoing the statement that, that these are, we are eyewitnesses of this Jesus, this word of life. But now listen to Peter point out a few verses later the significance of this and also what our response ought to be, how we should uh, respond to this. He says in verse 19, okay, this is in the same passage, just a few verses later, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, he says, so... All right, because of this, so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well, here's the response, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. You hear that? We have, because we have eyewitness testimony, it's even greater than just uh, it being said that this is going to happen. Now we have it having happened and we have the reliable testimony, the credible testimony of people who saw it happen and were with the Son of God, the Word of life, the source of it all. They saw him, they touched him, right? They beheld him, they examined him closely. They heard his words directly from his mouth, the Word of truth speaking the Word of truth, the Word of life speaking the Word of life. We have that, so we would do well. That's a bit of an understatement. We would do well to pay attention as to a, a lamp shining in a dark place. This world is a dark world. We need the light. A, a lamp shining in a dark place, a lamp is a, a light, right? The, the word is the light. Jesus is the light, okay? Guys, eyewitness testimony means that it's worth your time to investigate. So create a schedule that allows for daily reading and study of the Bible. Eyewitness testimony means that it's worth your effort to investigate. So sacrifice your, your comfort and your convenience and your, your time, your schedule, your work, uh, or, or sacrifice the comfort for the work that it's going to take to learn and to respond appropriately to the reliable testimony that we have recorded in our Bibles. Eyewitness testimony means it's unique information. You can't get eyewitness testimony from anyone who wasn't an eyewitness. This is unique information that we have from the apostles uh, that was written, words that were written uh, from them, from what they said, and words that were actually written, penned by them. Some of the apostles actually wrote the books in your Bible. And so this is unique information and we should treat it as such. Eyewitness testimony means it's genuine as well, right? It's the real thing. This isn't an imagination or a product of imagination. This is not a thought like that. This is the truth in its full power. That's what eyewitness testimony is. Church, we would do well to remember that we have eyewitness testimony and to prepare to hear John's words throughout the rest of this letter in, in such a way that we are prepared to, to hear it where we would know 
that we have eternal life. He's going to share with us all this information, all these tests, all these challenges. We're going to look at them. We would do well to remember this point that we have eyewitness testimony and to prepare our minds for the rest of this letter in such a way that we could, by the end of this, as we go along with this, know, come to know that we have eternal life. To know that for sure. All right, the second thing that John's words bring to our attention is the fact that what he has seen, what he has heard, and what he proclaims is life-giving information. It's life-giving information. Look again at verse 2 of our text. After explaining how he and the apostles had personally handled the word of life, John says in verse 2, and the life was manifested, right? The life, okay, the word of life, Jesus Christ. The life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. Now listen to this description of this eternal life. The eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Also sounds like some words from the Gospel uh, of John, right? Now, this, these words right here, it's not just talking about eternal life. And it's not just referring to Jesus as an eternal life, meaning a, a being who has existed eternally. Okay, this is referring to Jesus as an eternal being who is life, right? Who is life to and for us. In John 14, 6, we're familiar with, with this passage, as familiar as we possibly could be probably. We know that scripture says there, Jesus said to this guy, I am the way and the truth and the life. Right? No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father, but through me. The word of life, it could be, or the word life, could be understood different ways by different people in different contexts. But here, this can only mean one thing, right? In this context, the life can only be one thing, ultimate life, eternal life, right? No one comes to the Father but through me because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This can't be any other definition of, of, of life or any other source of life or any other um, opinion on life or the value of life. This is talking about eternal life. We know it for a fact. Jesus is eternal life. He's the way to life. He's the truth by which we can learn about and obtain eternal life. He is the life. And think about it, how we know this. It doesn't take very long to sort through this to know that he is life because by whose authority are we saved? By Jesus's authority. Who paid for our sins, the thing that keeps us from fellowship with God? Jesus paid for our sins. By whose miraculous resurrection uh, has the door been opened so that we can have the opportunity for eternal life? By Jesus' miraculous resurrection, right? Into who and what are we immersed for the forgiveness of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Who is the door to salvation? Jesus. Who is our high priest? Jesus. Who is our good shepherd? Jesus. Who is our advocate? Jesus. Who is our intercessor? Jesus. Right? It always points to Jesus. He's that source of life. He is the life for us. Okay? What John and his fellow apostles had seen and heard and touched and closely examined was Jesus, of course. The word of life that he says here was manifested to them. Manifested. That's one of those words that John likes. That's one of those words that John uses many times, a couple times, just in these couple verses, these few verses that we're looking at today, but he uses it elsewhere and he describes it elsewhere. Over here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, he says, the word became flesh. Here is the manifestation of the word of life. The word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word, it says, became flesh, manifested, right? Physical, right here, real, where it could be seen, heard, and touched and examined closely. Dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Saw, there's the we saw with our eyes, right? We looked at, saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. This manifested word was Jesus, and this Jesus is life, eternal life. And so naturally, it shouldn't surprise us that John and his fellow apostles were keen on sharing this life with other people, right? John says in verse 3 of our text this morning, uh, in the first half, he says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Right? We've seen, we've heard, we've, we've examined closely, we've touched this word of life. What we have seen and touched, we proclaim to you, he says. See, the information that John has shared before and is going to go on to remind his readers in this letter, it's life-giving information. They proclaim it. Jesus, he is the eternal life. And John shared that and the apostles shared that life as well. And so church, make no mistake about it. Don't ever forget whether we're in, in sickness, whether we're going through a time of loss, a time of uncertainty, sadness, what we might call dark times or a valley, whether we're uh, lonely or we're dealing with uh, poverty, regardless of our circumstances, Jesus is still the word of life. He still needs to be our primary focus. Jesus is our life. He is our eternal life. And John is writing this letter and reminding his readers of this because <clears throat> he is preparing to share with them, and we're going to see them as well, a series of tests and challenges and words of encouragement to stay the course, to focus on what is most important, to know Jesus intimately and through our lives to demonstrate that clearly, to demonstrate clearly that we know and are connected to God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. And He's doing all this and we're going to do all this so that we may know that we have eternal life, to know that for sure. So we would do well to remember at all times, to keep it on top of our mind, who is our life? Who is our eternal life? So that we can prepare our minds appropriately to receive what John's gonna say in the rest of this letter in such a way that we would know throughout this series and as we finish it up that we have eternal life. The third and final very important fact that John's introduction brings to our attention is the fact that this fellowship that he's concerned about, it's a divine connection. It's a divine connection. Our fellowship that, that we're talking about here, it is not just a friendship with our fellow man. It's not just an organization made up of people from our community. The benefits reach much further than just what you and I might do for one another. This fellowship that we share and participate or should participate in, it is a divine connection. We just looked at it. John, John has written in verse 3 that he, at the beginning, that, that he and his fellow apostles have and do still proclaim what they have seen and what they have heard concerning the word of life that was manifested to them. The, the one that they had seen and heard and touched and closely examined, they proclaim him so that, okay? When we pick up at the second half of the verse, he tells us why. He says, we, what we've seen and heard, we proclaim so that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay, that is the apostles. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So John says he proclaims. 
So he writes and he speaks concerning the word of life for this reason, so that those who hear his words would be and would remain a part of this glorious fellowship that, that he's so concerned about. And this fellowship that he's so concerned about, it is so glorious because of what he writes there at the end of verse 3. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. That's God the Father. And with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is where we see that our fellowship is more than just fellowship with uh, brothers and sisters, family and friends, good and friendly people. It's more than just that. It is all those things, right? And then some. It is also a connection to God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember, biblical fellowship involves sharing a common belief and commitment to the Word of God. Uh, That belief and commitment is more than just a couple of words strung together that you can say, yep, that's me. No, it's got to actually uh, be what, what, what would be the definition of those things, right? It's the camaraderie of believing the truth of God's word, uh, firmly together standing upon that truth of God's word, participating in the Lord's work together, jointly working alongside one of another to accomplish the Lord's will. And it does include enjoying uh, that, that shared common belief and goal. That is what biblical fellowship is, and that's what John has invited everyone he's proclaimed the word of life into. He, he, has, uh, he has invited them into that, and that is what he is so concerned about keeping these people in. He's writing to Christians. He, these are people who have participated in that fellowship, and he wants to make sure that they don't let go of that divine connection. They don't let go of that. John points out we are connected to God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. That is why this is so important. According to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, and so many other scriptures, we know that God reconciled us to himself through Christ. There's how uh, we get a connection to Jesus and a connection to God the Father and how we enter into this fellowship, right? Through a relationship with Christ, we're reconciled to a right relationship with God. So we have to have a relationship with Christ before we can come back into a relationship with our creator, God, right? When John writes, as he says in the second half of verse three, so that you too may have fellowship with us, he's sure to also point out this fact, making sure that they understand that this isn't just fellowship with them. This is fellowship with God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. This is a divine connection. Don't give it up. Don't disconnect from it. Don't let anything uh, create distance in this connection, right? Don't let anything cut the connection. Stay connected. They, he wants them to have fellowship with him because a fellowship with him and the apostles, what they believe, what they are trusting in, what they are following and committed to, if you're connect, con, uh, committed and connected to the same thing, you're connected to God the Father. You're connected to his son, Jesus Christ. He wants these people to know this. And John Uh, John wants these Christians to remain in this fellowship and he says in verse 4 an expression of how important this is to him. If you look at verse 4 that's all this is. It's just an expression of, of how important this is to John himself and to the apostles. He says these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This sounds a lot like something uh, that the Apostle Paul would write, right? Paul uh, always, well many times, let his uh, disciples know that they were his joy. Right? Why? Because that's, a, that's the mission. That's the purpose. That's the goal. Bring other people into this fellowship. Bring other people into this divine connection with God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. So that's what John is pointing out here. He's just simply saying this is so that our joy, we're doing this and we want you to stay connected to this fellowship so that our joy may be made complete because this is what we're going for. 
We brought you into this and we want to keep you in it. Our joy will be made complete if you do. So we would do well to remember that our fellowship with the apostles and with one another is not just a, a connection to the apostles and one another. It, it is a divine connection. It is a connection, a real connection to God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. And doing this and doing all that we've talked about, keeping all of this in mind, will help us to prepare so that throughout this message series, and certainly I hope by the end, and I pray by the end of this, we would know that we have eternal life. Church this morning's message is just an introduction. This is not uh, uh, much of the meat. We're going we're gonna to get into some really good stuff. This is just an introduction. These first four verses are just John's introduction. And so this is all it can be to us as well. But, but John wants his readers to understand that this fellowship that we have, it has to continue. We can't just enter into it and be glad we did that one time. We have to remain in it. And we're going to get slapped upside the head at times by life. We're going to get knocked down on our face. We're going to get our teeth kicked in at times. Spiritually speaking, things are going to hurt. Things are going to bring us down. We're going to suffer. We're going to see other people suffer because that's just real life. What we have to make sure is that we keep the fellowship going. There's, uh, there's too much at stake. More than, a, more than a friendship. It's more than just like, well, I would hate to, you know, distance myself from those lovely people at Liberty Christian Church. It, that's, that's one aspect of it. But that's not what, what's at stake here. It's more than some basic human relationship. It is a divine connection based on life-giving information which is being delivered to us by eyewitnesses of the manifested word of life, Jesus Christ himself. And guys, I'm excited to, to jump into the rest of First John together on these Sunday mornings over these next several, several weeks. I've got nine planned. If I uncover any more in the meantime, we may go longer. But right now, uh, we're planning to spend several weeks in this and I'm excited about it and I want to encourage you and maybe there's a, a little challenge in this to and it's not hard but it takes some intentionality to come each Sunday morning over these next several weeks to come with a mindset ready to hear understanding that you are going to hear and be ready to hear words that were designed delivered written down with the one express purpose and goal so that you may know that you have eternal life. Can you wake up on a Sunday morning, go to bed on a Saturday night, whatever you need to do, set a reminder on your phone, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, whatever you have to do, can you come? Can you make yourself come with that mindset? I'm going to hear on Sunday morning words that were designed to, to create a confidence and an assurance in me to know that I have eternal life. You think you can do that? Yeah? Okay. Let's do it. Let's pray for it right now.